Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, we're reacting to the Broncos' eighth consecutive loss, and we have a very special guest to commiserate with us and help us make sense of it all. You are listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up! Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, the gut reaction presented by Mile High Huddle. It's time to drop some knowledge and hopefully help you exercise some demons. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. With me, as always, is Will Keys, editor and writer at Mile High Huddle. Will, it's been a really, really long time, my friend, since the Broncos have won a game. Um, It feels like lifetimes ago. I I feel like... Robin Williams in the movie Jumanji where he just like comes out of uh, the closet with like his um, the closet was a weird term. I think he comes out of a room. Uh, we're not qu- questioning Robin Williams alleged <laughs> right, sexuality right. on this podcast. Yeah, it's something a little um, darker, but go on. Yeah. He like exits a room and he's got um, like the super long hair and the really unkempt beard. And I feel like, uh, like if I just didn't shave or like get a haircut in between the last time the Broncos won a game, which would now be like early October and October now first. Um, yeah, October, October 1st <laughs> and now, which is, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, December 4th of the year 2017. Indeed. You know, if I just didn't take care of myself and, and my hair and everything in that time period, I might be looking like Robin Williams in the movie Jumanji. That's true. That's true. These are real questions, real hard-hitting implications of just how bad this season has been. Now, real quick, Huddle Up is here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos, and we need your help. If you haven't done so, make sure you go to iTunes and leave a creative review, rate the show. Absolutely vital in terms of helping us grow, helping us reach new listeners. If you love us, take a second, go take care of that. Also, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, and, of course, at Mile High Huddle. Just take a second also, go to Facebook. Everyone's on Facebook. Make sure you're following Mile High Huddle on Facebook. And also, hit that subscribe button, because when this season is finally over, there are going to be some major changes in the Mile High City and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. Now, we have a lot to get to today, including a special guest. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Rep the Squad. And really, we want to draw your attention to this service. It's one of the coolest services or subscription programs for a Broncos fan out there. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey that you want. There are hundreds of different jerseys, and you can switch between your favorite stars and styles. This week, you want to rep Emmanuel Sanders, for example. Cool. Make the order. It gets to you uh, quickly within two to three days. Next week, you want to be Aqib Tlaib. Send it in. Order. It's $19.95 per month. You change each and every week. Youth are $16.95. New jerseys arrive fresh and clean. It's kind of like Netflix for Jersey. And what it does is it allows you to rep the Broncos all season long, no matter if it's home, away, or an alternate. There's a Thursday night game coming up in two weeks. Free shipping both ways. Cancel anytime, but here's the key. Use promotion code HUDDLE. That's H-U-D-D-L-E to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. That's promo code HUDDLE at RepTheSquad.com. All right. Again, the Broncos have now lost eight straight games. It's bad. I mean, I I picked the Broncos to win this in the uh, Mile High Huddle Roundtable, but honestly, unless something significant happens to change the the energy of this team. I'm not I can't pick the Broncos again like rationally, logically. I just there's nothing football-wise that says pick the Broncos. And they frankly look just as inept as the the hapless Cleveland Browns at this point. And it gives me no pleasure of course to say this. And going back to Miami, what a cluster of a game. If this one mattered, perhaps, you know, I'd be down to go through Will and we could crunch the numbers and compare the stats and all that, but yeah. It it doesn't matter. Bottom line is 
The Broncos turned the ball over three times. They surrendered two safeties. On the first safety, you had Matt Paradis pulling a Manny Ramirez and freaking launching the ball, snapping the ball over Trevor Simeon's head and into the end zone. And then the second came, of course, courtesy of Isaiah McKenzie, whom Vance Joseph inexplicably dressed in Week 13 over Jordan Taylor, who did a great job just doing the one simple thing of securing the catch on punt returns. On the flip side, though, the Broncos' defense was able to take the ball away three times, which was nice to see, including a pick six by Justin Simmons. And it was a nice play by the second-year safety, but Will, he went on to surrender a touchdown pass, so he kind of made up for the great play with a negative one to kind of keep this terrible season on track, the whole one-step-forward, two-steps-back uh, trope. But, my friend, go ahead. Let's, your gut reaction to Denver's eighth straight loss, this time to Adam Gase, Julius Thomas, and, of course, Jay Cutler. Yeah, so just to kind of start off with a positive, because God knows we need it right now, um, I read a stat the other day. I think it was yesterday after the game, actually, which said that out of all the ball carriers in the NFL – uh, last week in week 13, Justin Simmons was the third fastest of, of all of them. He was going a little bit over 20, 20 miles per hour. Wow. And I don't like, I can't comprehend what it's like to go that fast, just like on my own two legs, perhaps in a car. Um, but just me like running in a straight line, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm making it to 10. I don't no, know about you. Definitely not me. I'm having a heart attack first. Yeah, no. And, and like with, with large men chasing me, be, chasing behind me, I don't, I don't know, I don't well, know how he if does. My it. life is actually in danger, you know that whole adrenaline thing, like when mothers lift cars off their children who are stuck underneath, like you know the the superhuman strength thing. If my life was hanging in the balance, maybe, but like on just any given day, no way. Yeah, we'll see. I, I feel like I'd have the opposite reaction and kind of like either like immediately fall over and curl into a ball or just like trip over myself like Eric Decker um, in that Monday night game against the Chargers. The turf monster. So probably, yeah, probably one of those two. Um, probably wouldn't make me go faster. But yeah, for the Broncos overall, it was, it was just more of the same. And, you know, there's there's really no reason that, that Isaiah McKenzie should have been back there. Um, I don't think Jordan Taylor lit the, lit the world on fire with his putt returning over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, he, he caught the ball, which is <laughs> – the most important duty that a punt returner has. Yep. And once he caught the ball, he held on to it. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't breaking any ankles or anything, but you know, that's why that's why the Broncos employed current Wisconsin defensive coordinator Jim Leonard, who <laughs> I, I I still think is the only uh, is the only white safety over 30 to return punts in the NFL. Um, Might be. And you know, he did a he, he did a decent job of it back in 2012. And obviously like I understand the rationale for wanting to have a playmaker like Isaiah McKenzie when your offense isn't good mm-hmm. and, and you need like a spark from your special team. But when he's just, you know, you we talk about it all the time. Like if you're going to fumble it, you better have like a, a two to one ratio of, of good returns to turnovers. So maybe not maybe not a touchdown, but at least like a, a big explosive return. Maybe maybe even a bigger ratio than that. I don't know. Well, and if, like, if we looked at it, we clown. Uh, Holiday Road himself. Yeah. Trendon Holiday for his, you know, insecurity with the ball or lack of security with the ball. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie has him beat easily in terms of oh, lapses yeah. with the ball. And it's only been, you know, however many games. It's been 12 games. Yeah, no. I mean, Trendon Holiday, bless his heart, only about 5'5, five, five, but uh, he knew, you know, the most important rule after catching the ball and, and holding on to it is run straight. And Isaiah McKenzie. I don't know why. Um, I think he watched that Travis Benjamin play against the Chargers or against the Patriots uh, where he ran into his own end zone yeah. and got a safety and was like, you know what? I'll do it better. And and he did. You know, he he managed to uh, field the ball, I think, inside the own five, which, first of all, you should just plant your heels at the 10-yard line. And, you know, if the ball goes over your head, let it go. Let I think go. that's what they – I don't know why Brock Olivo isn't just beating that into his head every day. And it's weird that like people still do that, but 
I don't know. That that's just the that's just the state of the the 2017 Denver Broncos is just football fundamentals are being violated left and right. So, yeah, he catches the ball, fumbles it into the end zone, manages to recover his own fumble, but nevertheless, it's the second safety of the day. And I can't remember the last time the Broncos had multiple safeties in a game. Surely, surely not since I've been watching well, football. Well, it's it's been. I think it. I I heard on Monday that it's been since 1963. I might be wrong on the year, but it's been decades. Okay, since the Broncos surrendered two safeties and a pick six in the same game. I mean, that's that's really where we're living right now in this this strange football universe, this upside down of Broncos football where, yeah, you know, it's just it's like it's opposite day. Every every day you turn on the Broncos on Sunday on game day. It's like you're seeing this Jekyll version of the Hyde Broncos. In fact, let's talk about this before we uh, let's talk about this real quick. After the game, I put together a video piece that kind of examined whether the Broncos should fire Vance Joseph, and if so, whether or not now's the time to actually do it. You can find it on CBSSports.com or MileHighHuddle.com. But the conclusion I came to was that there's no reason for the Broncos to fire Joseph in season. With four games left to go, you got a top five draft position at stake. Why fire him now? You know, and I understand that New York opened the floodgates on Monday. They kind of were the first to do it by firing both their head coach and their GM. But the Broncos don't necessarily have to follow suit. The sooner the Broncos fire Joseph, the more John Elway, I think, runs the risk of kind of, you know, bolstering the perception around the NFL that the Broncos' job is a coach killer. And it's another reason that, you know, if the Broncos are going to fire Joseph, they need to wait as long as possible. But the bitter reality is that right now, Will, that is the perception league-wide, that Denver is where head coaches go to die, basically. John Fox, all he did was win. He got you-know-what canned. Gary Kubiak could only survive two years before he almost had a stroke. And now Vance Joseph, here we are. And that's one of the real obstacles that Elway and company is going to face when this season is over, is that if they fire Joseph, will they truly be able to find a qualified and willing candidate and a guy who can you know, represent a clear upgrade you know, and I'm firmly of the opinion that there are better coaches out there than Joseph, but would any of them want to come to Denver? You know, but there, I, I think if I really think about it, the conclusion has to be that, you know, the sad realization at this point, the Broncos don't have much choice. Joseph's in over his head. He's not the solution for Denver long term. So why would you go into 2018 risking another season going off the rails like this one? You know, look, look at these last four games, Will. Home versus the Jets, a short week. Uh, road trip to Indy on a Thursday night, another road trip to D.C., take on the Redskins, and then closing out the schedule at home versus Kansas City. I have a hard time seeing this Broncos team winning even one more game. Do you see them winning any of those four? I, I don't know if I do. Um, I The way that they played yesterday, you would have said, you know, if you looked at the last five games and, and tacked on the Dolphins game to the rest of that, you would have said that the Dolphins game was, you know, the most winnable out of the five. Right. And it ended up being 35 to nine. So another blowout. Yeah. After after watching that, you know, disgrace uh, of a 60 minute football game, I don't know that the Broncos are even, you know, competitive again. I have a, I have a hard time seeing this team winning even one more game. That's the truth. I mean, it's already a, an historic losing streak, but Vance Joseph is. I think going to kick that can even further down the road. I think this is going to end up being a uh, a three-win team. And I don't think there's any surviving this. Well, if you're Vance Joseph, you have to know that in a production-based business, there's no way the Broncos can allow you to keep your job. And I say that, you know, here, here's the thing. The Broncos have to fire Vance Joseph. They have to start over. That's my opinion. But they should wait until the season is over. Mike Cliss of Nine News reported on Monday that there will be coaching and front office changes at season's end. But he also said that the only guy who's not, quote, on notice is John Elway. And we'll talk about Elway here in a bit. But do you agree with me on Vance Joseph? Well, let's say the Broncos finish 4-12 and or worse. Is there any reason to keep Vance Joseph around? No, I don't think so. But I, I do firmly agree that there's no reason to fire him before the season's over. Um, if you're worried about like the perception of the the Broncos being you know coach killers, so to speak, uh, if you fire your head coach after one season, just think about what that would do if you don't even give them a full 16 games. Like I don't, I, I know we've talked about it before, and and Bobby Petrino is the exception, but I, I don't remember the last time a coach didn't make it to uh, at least 16 games, it's like the full the full you know season season slate of games. 
it's it would be unprecedented. I, I think it'd be unnecessary. Um, right. Yeah, and it's just it's bad PR because there's always going to be guys that will uh, accept head coaching positions, um, but the most coveted ones are always going to have choice because you know there's there's typically like I don't know seven or eight vacant head coaching positions at the end of the year, and, and typically you know the last few times that the Broncos have been in the market for a head coach, the consensus has been that they're the most desirable destination for a head coach. And that was kind of the that was kind of the deal last year where the Broncos assumed that, you know, they could have anybody they want because they're they're they were a nine and seven team last year. Coming off a Super Bowl. The, right. Yeah. They have so they have pretty much inarguably the best defense in the league last year. Um, they still had question marks at the quarterback position, but you know, they had a first rounder on the roster. Trevor Simeon played really well and is his second year with the team. So the perception, I think, from the Broncos' standpoint and pretty much everywhere else was that they were a 9-7 and team that underachieved right. given their roster. And, and now we see that you know that might not have been the case. I yeah, don't that think was it's a, a, That was an overachievement. Well, yeah, compared to now. But you, know, you have to look at this roster as it is. And this is obviously not a 3-13, 4-12 and and roster. I think it's closer to the nine and seven roster that we saw last year. Yeah. Uh, it's not a Super Bowl roster, but it's somewhere in the middle. So yeah. the the bad results that we see this year and whatever the record is at the end of the year is gonna taint the perception of the, the franchise and the players on the team. And you're gonna see guys like Isaiah McKenzie for one, um, and then like Demarcus Walker, Carlos Henderson who didn't play, Garrett Bowles even has been a pretty good first round pick. And they're not going to get their due. They're, you know, Isaiah McKenzie and his turnover problems aside and then lack of production elsewhere from the rookies. But, you know, it's not going to be looked at as a promising roster just because they've underachieved. Um, and maybe that's because of the coaching staff. Maybe that's because guys just kind of mm-hmm. check out when you're on this massive losing streak. But, you know, I'm a little worried because they're not the most attractive destination anymore. And that's no. just kind of the reality. No. And, P- and coaches out there are going to worry about – you know, whatever, how, how much freedom are they going to truly have to coach their team? You know, how much of a window or an opportunity, how much rope are they going to be given to get the job done, especially when you brought in a first-time head coach? And, I mean, the way it's looking anyway, you fire them after just one season. Now, granted, the one thing we can't forget is that this is an historically epic failure of a season. It's the Broncos, it's been decades, or, well, let's see, 60s or so. It's been since the 19, early 1960s since the Broncos endured this bad of a season. So there is the magnitude of it that helps you kind of appreciate a little bit more Denver's, the, the situation, the front office and ownership, the team president that they're in right now in terms of making the decision to keep or fire Vance Joseph. And, and frankly, I just, I don't envy the decision that John Elway, Joe Ellis and company are going to have to make at the end of this year because they're just they're in a rock and a hard place. They did the plan was not for them to hire a young guy like Vance Joseph and go 3 and, you know, 13 or or 4 and 12 and then have to reboot and do it all over again. So, it's a tough situation, Will, but at the end of the day again, this is a production-based business. There's you can't survive this epic of a fail in terms of what Vance Joseph, his impact on this season. And, you know, it's not like this has just been some uh, uncontrollable comedy of errors that he's just kind of gotten caught up in. I mean, he's his decisions uh, during the week, his game planning, the way he's managed his coaching staff, the decisions he's made in starting lineups, playing time, uh, in-game decisions, I mean, they all add up. And right now what it adds up to is 3-9. and nine. And by the time this season's over, I think what it's going to add up to, Will, is uh, the unemployment line. Yeah, um, I mean, unfortunately, you can you can always go back and say, you know, we should have hired Kyle Shanahan over Vance Joseph, or, or we should have gotten Dave Taub over Vance Joseph. But you know, the way this roster was set up, and I don't think John Elway would ever be willing to admit this, and obviously, nor should he. Like he's he's committed to winning as much as any other GM, but it it kind of just it it had to bottom out at some point, like. Sustained success in the NFL is almost impossible, and I think the the New England Patriots, um, notwithstanding, um, and, and to some extent maybe the Green Bay Packers, just because they've run into a little bit of luck with having two consecutive Hall of Fame quarterbacks on their roster. It's so hard to be good year in and year out, 
And the Broncos have been good since 2011, really, you know, yeah. since the first year uh, they won a playoff game. And so, right. you know, I, I think you just kind of write this season off as, you know, sometimes like you burn the tape after one bad game. <laughs> yeah. I think you just burn the tape on 2017 and move on. Well, let's talk specifically about John Elway's complicity in this mess because many Broncos fans are actually calling for his head. That I think, you know, when it comes to Elway, the biggest mistake that he made was hiring Vance Joseph instead of Kyle Shanahan. Now, that's my take in terms of I'm on record for that going back to January. I know San Fran uh, is is struggling right now, obviously. They've won, I think, what, two games? But yeah, that was to be expected, I think, with the dearth of talent that they had going into 2017. The true test uh-huh. will, come, will come next year. But I do think Elway should have hired Shanahan, and he should have the second thing that he should be held accountable for is he should have bitten the bullet and paid Wade Phillips. To me, those are the two big things um, on the docket for Elway. Now, should they come at the expense of his job? Absolutely not. On the quarterback front, you know, listen, Elway invested a first-round draft choice in Paxton Lynch. It's not like after Peyton left and Brock uh, defected to Houston that Elway just ignored the position. And then, you know, this year, Elway all but strong-armed Vance Joseph and the offensive coaching staff to basically rig the board in Lynch's favor. And even though... You know, I'm on record as saying that Lynch should have been given the job as a first-round pick come hell or high water. You know, he was at least given the opportunity in a, in a very favorable way to win it. The Broncos did everything but actually hand him the job. They opened the way, and he just couldn't handle the pressure. But the quarterback situation, you know, that's the most pressing personnel issue, I think, for Denver heading into 2018. But the way that Joseph managed it this season, for me, has just been unacceptable. And granted, it wasn't a great situation, but there's things he could have he could have changed. And if you look at that going uphill, John Elway's direction, there's only so much Elway could do once the season kicked off. From there, those on-field decisions, those week-to-week decisions, that's Joseph's domain, even though we know that Elway, you know, put some pressure on Joseph to bench Simeon after that Kansas City loss and also even before that. But I guess uh, Elway had seen all he needed from uh, needed to from Simeon at that point, but I digress. Let me ask you something. For those of you in Broncos country who want Elway fired over this debacle of a season, let's say the Broncos did fire John Elway. Who do you think realistically could save this team and turn the ship around? You think it's Joe Ellis, the team president? Mm Mm-mm. Pat Bowen's not there to help Ellis make decisions this time around. He needs John Elway. Could it be director of player personnel Matt Russell? No. Maybe some other prospective GM out there just waiting for his shot. No, listen, Elway, he does need to take a hard look in the mirror. He needs to accept his share of the blame for this. Absolutely. I mean, he's the GM. He's the president of football operations. But, Will, he remains Denver's best option to resurrect this team. Unless we should forget, since John Elway was hired in 2011, the Broncos still rank among the NFL leaders in total wins with 76, regular season wins, 70, five division titles, two Super Bowl appearances, and a world championship during that span. Well, what about his ability as a, as a talent evaluator? Well, in his seven seasons as an executive, the Broncos have acquired, and I want to remind you of this, an NFL high 12 players who have combined for a league-best 26 total Pro Bowls. Now, did Elway benefit from the Peyton Manning effect? Absolutely. But it was Elway who had the hubris to pursue Manning and eventually close the deal that brought him here. And, I mean, let's face it, Elway built two different Super Bowl teams to finally get over the hump. And if you think that Manning was the only one, you know, doing the heavy lifting in that department, those of you in Broncos country, you're wrong. And, Will, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit here. I don't know how you feel about this issue, but I'm honestly, if you can't tell, a little bit irritated at the notion that Denver should fire John Elway at this point. Yeah, I think it's probably like the dumbest take that I've heard in quite a while. I've never understood the people who who discredit or who use Peyton Manning to discredit Elway. Um, given that John Elway was, in fact, the general manager who signed Peyton Manning to be on the team. Um, so I think, ergo, by the transitive, transitive property, um, <laughs> right. John Elway is, is therefore um, – he receives the credit for the work that Peyton Manning does because he is the one that brought in Peyton Manning. It would be different, say, if the Broncos had acquired Peyton Manning first um, after the 2010 season right. uh, and then brought in John Elway. So then you could say, well, he was just, you know, the recipient of, um, you know, the the surplus Peyton Manning credit that had to go around. So, but that didn't happen. You know, John Elway really pulled out all the stops to get him. And, you know, 
you have to remember like how crazy of an off season and how crazy that whole Peyton Manning free agency thing was. Oh yeah. And like how, I don't know, like I, I never even thought, you know, until like a couple weeks in that the Broncos really had any real chance of getting Peyton Manning. It, it seemed like it was going to be like the Titans or the Texans or right. the Cardinals. It just didn't seem to fit because especially at that time, I mean, Peyton Manning was it, the Bronco killer. Right, he was the guy that had destroyed the Broncos in two different playoff games, like absolute blowouts. The idea of him coming to Denver, especially with John Elway, just seemed very alien. Yeah, no, it was it was nothing that was really on our collective radars as Broncos fans. So, you know, you have to credit him for just being aggressive and and going after it. And you know, I, I think that after a, a playoff berth in 2011, leading up all the way to a Super Bowl victory in 2015. Uh, he had a nine and seven underachieving year last year. Well, the team did. I shouldn't just say that John Elway did, but he, you know, constructed a team that underachieved. Mm-hmm. I think he's earned a mulligan. You know, I, I really do, and I, I believe in that. And you're going to have a bad year, like I said. Like it's just you're not going to win every year, and that's the reality of not only you know football but sports. Like not everybody's going to be the Patriots or the you know the Broncos for six years. Like I mean, I I don't know about. I don't know. Some people who are only fans of the Broncos have really like raised expectations because they're they're fans of a team that's you know been the winningest football team I, I think still since 1984 since Pat Bowen took over. Right. And I don't know. Like I use a little bit of perspective that I have from being um, a Colorado Rockies fan and then a Sacramento Kings fan. Who <laughs> yeah. For for people unfamiliar with the NBA, um, the Kings haven't made the playoffs since 2005. And, of course, the NBA is, is the league where 16 teams out of 30 make the playoffs right. every year. So you can have a losing record and still find your way into the playoffs, and the Kings haven't done it for 11 years. So I, I understand what it's like to lose. And, you know, one losing season for the Broncos really, it, it doesn't like, it's not going to make me lose my mind and say let's no. fire the best thing that's happened to this organization literally ever. Right. Well, and, you know, we've talked about this before. I've written about it. We've talked about it on the podcast when Peyton Manning was still in town that, you know what, the true test of John Elway as a front office czar is going to come after Peyton Manning. Now, that's not to diminish his role uh, while Peyton Manning was on the team because Peyton Manning was just one of the 12 players that Elway signed or, or drafted uh, who combined for those 26 total Pro Bowls. He was just one of them. I mean, Elway built two different Super Bowl teams around Peyton Manning. And if you can recall, there were two different teams with very different complexions. Yep. But the true test of John Elway is now the, the post-Manning era. And obviously the first you know step to passing that test is replacing Peyton Manning effectively and through two seasons obviously that hasn't panned out uh Paxton Lynch it's it's just excuse me Paxton Lynch it's looking like you know he's going to be a bust for the Broncos it's just not going to work out and at this point following two consecutive seasons of not making the playoffs it's very unlikely the Broncos are going to show any further patience in Paxton Lynch especially considering what he's shown them in his two years with the club so that's a swing and it's a miss and that's another uh mark against John Elway, but going into 2018 on the quarterback front, this is the time when he absolutely has to get it right. Now, he just signed a new extension, so he's going to be around. I mean, the Broncos are paying him a lot of money uh, to stick around and and be the president. He got a, not just did they extend him as a GM, but they also promoted him from a VP to a president of the team. So this is a guy here for the long haul. Get it out of your head that John Elway's going anywhere. And and it just doesn't make sense to even wish it, as, as Will said. John Elway yeah. is literally the best thing to ever happen to this franchise. And even though this year has been off the rails and Elway's decisions have contributed to that, no doubt his last couple of drafts have not panned out well for the Broncos up to this point. But at least I think this season can serve as a true reckoning, a, a point of reckoning where he can put up the mirror. He can go, look, times have changed. This isn't the same team that, that I was managing you know, three and four years ago. This is a totally different team, different complexion to the team, different strengths, different weaknesses, and learn from some of his mistakes. It's like you say, burn the film, but at the same time, don't uh, turn away. Don't don't make sure these lessons from this season aren't lost on you. And moreover, really it comes down to two things. The biggest thing Elway has to focus on going into 2018 is finding the right head coach and then finding the right quarterback. And again, I've been on record saying the Broncos need to do that through the draft because they're probably going to have a top five pick, which is going to give them the best opportunity to get a true 
long-term ca- uh, franchise-caliber quarterback. But who knows? Maybe Elway Will will choose to go the other route and throw a lot of money at a guy like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I guess if you're going to have a bad season, you might as well just have the worst season um, like they did in, in 2010 where they ended up with the second pick and ended up with the best player in the draft, in my opinion, with Vaughn Miller. But, you know, we don't know how that's going to shake out. But I just wanted to make another point that, you know, John Elway has, like, never been infallible. And I'm not saying that he should be because, you know, no one really is beyond reproach in, in sports, I think. But, you know, he's had he's had bad stretches and he had bad stretches as a player. The Broncos, I don't think they had a really bad stretch in the early 90s where I don't think oh, they had yeah. a winning season for a while while Wade Phillips was head coach. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, he kind of had he was the guy who carried that team uh, from when he was drafted, basically, until um, after that third 49ers Super Bowl. And they they kind of fell off a little bit and then kind of the thing that they did around Peyton Manning to a lesser extent. They built the team around him. And I think, you know, he has to, at some point, like you said, look in the mirror and and kind of say, I, I don't need to run everything. I, I'm just the GM and I need to stick to my general managing duties and kind of let the head coach head coach mm. and bring in a guy who, who has a strong will and has a really precise vision for what he wants from his football team. And I don't know, like, I don't want to say Vance Joseph wasn't that guy because I'm sure he did have a vision, but it's hard to have a vision when you've never been a head coach before, let alone, you know, a defensive coordinator for one year. So I think, you know, he'll probably learn from that and and bring in a guy who isn't just going to, you know, do it, do what he says, but kind of just, you know, have his own ideas and and stick to them and, and execute them. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And I look forward to uh, asking our guest, Brandon Perna, about some of his thoughts on these very issues, which we'll get to here in just a minute. But first, that's right. I want to challenge those of you who have yet to pull the trigger to go to milehighhuddle.com and become a VIP subscriber. There is so much we report at Mile High Huddle that we save only for our VIP subscribers. And on top of that, our most in-depth and analytical content, whether it's X's and O's to all 22 film pieces to NFL draft scouting reports, which we get really in-depth on when it comes to draft time, we reserve only uh, for our VIPs at milehighhuddle.com. Plus, if you sign up for an annual VIP membership, which costs $49 for the entire year, you get a 20% discount at Fanatics, the same merchandiser used by the Broncos and the NFL. VIPs, for what it's worth, they used to get just 10% discount at Fanatics, but we've upped the ante We're stacking the benefit package for the VIPs. And going into Christmas season, hey, that 20% off at Fanatics could really help you make that special Broncos fan in your life happy. So go to milehighhuddle.com, click the green join button, and sign up today. All right, let's welcome in our guest. You know him. You love his YouTube channels. That's good Broncos and that's good sports. He's the one. He's the only Brandon Perna. Welcome to the show once again, my friend. We've received some requests from listeners who want to feel the pern on the Huddle Up podcast once again. What's good, my friend? Uh, that makes me feel very, <laughs> very loved, you know? And I am glad to be here back in the huddle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Brandon, we've uh, we've all been sharing in misery, right? We've, we're commiserating <laughs> yeah. with one another on this eight-game losing streak and i oh yes our old friend here adam gase i want to get your take on this he the dolphins have a 24 point lead late in the game he goes for the onside kick which the dolphins of course recover afterward both sunday and on monday vance joseph said he didn't see anything uncalled for in gase's kind of sleight of hand there but i've never seen anything like that in all my years of watching pro football anytime there's been an onside kick you can at least justify that there's some strategic edge to it to help that team win the game when in this case this game was clearly already in hand how did you interpret Gase's decision to to go for an onside kick there uh I I thought he was trying to stick it to Elway for sure um you know I thought it was crazy I I I hated that it you know that it's against the Broncos but uh I kind of love that love the move (laughs) I I love when teams kind of go nuts and just (laughs) just twist the knife that's already in their opponent and then today i did uh i read an article from the miami herald that said uh that adam gase has some actual bad blood with john elway i mean they didn't have gase on record saying it but based on what they said 
basically went back to when Gase was applying for a head coaching position and he thought he had the job with the 49ers and he believes John Elway basically badmouthed him to Trent Baalke. I just made a video about this so it's fresh in my head and that uh, at, at first Gase thought it was because Elway was going to hire him as head coach <laughs> right. and then when Elway didn't offer him the job he was like what the heck man <laughs> why would you do that? Dick and move, so, bro. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's been some bad blood there. I think yeah. you add the fact that uh, Julius Thomas is on the team as well, and I don't think he has great feelings towards Denver no uh, anymore. And um, yeah, I think he was trying to make a point. And poor well, Vance Joseph got caught in the crossfire. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, and not only like Julius Thomas too, but Jay Cutler actually played like probably his best game uh, since like I don't know like September for the Dolphins against the Broncos. And I don't know, like I, I was a big Jay Cutler fan growing up just because I hit like my, the peak of my football fandom, like right when I was 10 years old and the Broncos drafted Jay Cutler. And so I was, I was like Cutler all the way. And then obviously when McDaniels traded Cutler, I was just heartbroken. It was like, you know, it was like being broken up with um, by a long-term girlfriend that you had been dating for like three years right. since you, since you drafted her you in the first round of the dumped will. Yeah, no, that was probably the first experience of heartbreak in my young life. And it took me, like, I'll be honest, it took me a few years to get over it. And, yeah. you know, I, I didn't really feel too much um, too much pain when they played in 2015, the first time we actually played Jay Cutler directly. And now, like, it, just like seeing Jay Cutler throw a touchdown to Julius Thomas, of all people, that really opened up some, some fresh wounds. And then Adam Gase really poured some salt on it when he kicked that onside kick. And now <laughs> I'm just really bummed out. Yeah, no, I mean, when when McDaniels came in and ditched Cutler, Brandon Marshall left, uh, yeah. Tony Scheffler, I, I think all of us were like, what is he doing? Because Pat Bowling. Yeah, I mean, prior to that, those were that looked like the the offensive future for the Broncos. So, yeah, I, when Cutler left, I, I was not happy either, and I think. You know, after time when, you know, Cutler kind of sort of proved to be just whoever yeah. Jay Cutler is, it, it softened that blow. So I really care about Cutler making, you know, a point against the Broncos. And really, that was, you know, there, there were different people calling the shots when he was there. But yeah. overall, there it, it was a weird kind of game full of, you know, different relationships between both teams, you know, with Vance Joseph and then Vance being here and just having a terrible season. <laughs> uh, and and to throw on top of that, I felt like this was the one of the worst Broncos performances I've watched. And that includes Super Bowl 48. Like, mm -hmm. Super Bowl 48, the Seahawks just looked... I mean, they just pounded them. They just looked like a more physical, dominant team. Sure, the Broncos, you know, made some mistakes and stuff, but this was like technically the least fundamentally sound game I ever remember watching, and I think that made it hard to watch because at this point, I think we're just we've we've accepted the fact that the team's not very good. They're probably going to keep losing, but I think most of us kind of want to see them keep losing for a better draft spot. Yeah, get that but, pick. That game, the the Dolphins game was hard to watch for many reasons. And you could pick anything and be like, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. What about uh, Vance Joseph? Will and I discussed this before we brought you on, but I'm sure our listeners would be interested to hear your take on it, Brandon. Should the Broncos fire Vance Joseph at the end of the season? Let's let's assume they finish, you know, 4-12 and 12 yeah. or worse. Should they fire Vance Joseph? I don't know. Probably uh, I just made a, and I did like three videos today. So I just did another one saying why I thought it was a good thing that they didn't fire him today. Like, I don't know what the team has to gain by firing a coach right now, unless yeah. you think one of the guys below him can actually be your next head coach. And when you've already fired an offensive coordinator, you're kind of running thin on the coaching depth chart. Yeah. The, so, scape the scapegoats too. They're running thin as well. Right. So, Playing out the season, like you're saying, I think is the right move. And I don't know what the right call is because my gut says Vance Joseph isn't the right guy for the job. But but I also kind of know, like, he hasn't been put in a great position. Most of these guys, th this is turning into Elway's team. So how much can you really put on him? But, 
You know, I, I, I think in football, more than most other sports, your head coach can have a, a big impact on, on your team. And for the Broncos to be as bad as they have been this season, and it's not a good thing if you're firing coaches every year either. That's what makes us really tricky, I think. But And what, did he sign a four-year contract? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be on the hook for that, that uh, cheddar. Right. So it's uh, it's tough because I want to say give him time to, to prove himself, but it's been so bad that I don't I don't know if you can justify keeping him around. And then you have to ask what other candidates are out there that would be somebody you want to bring in and hopefully commit to for the for the long term. And he's John Elway's guy. So I don't I don't know. I, w- I would personally if it was my team, I would go in a different direction. Yeah, but uh, I don't know what Elway will do. Like, I feel he's like really unpredictable right now. I think. How yeah, like you, you don't want to. Um, sorry, Chad, but no, go ahead, bro. You don't want to like create the perception as a franchise that your your I don't know your team is like this head coaching musical chairs game where just if you're not finishing like at the top of the top every year you know changes have to be made and that's kind of the precedent that you set for yourself when you fired john fox after going 12 and 4 and losing in the divisional round and you kind of saw that too and it uh, it usually works out actually when you think about it like marty schottenheimer gets fired after the chargers go 14 and 2 and then norv turner takes them a step further the following year doesn't win the super bowl but gets them further in the playoffs gary kubiak actually wins the super bowl next year so it's a little different when you're winning and you're actually choosing to make those changes to try to get your your team over the top yeah and but now like i i do agree that it's probably the right move to fire vance joseph at the end of the season just because this has become such an irreversible disaster but you really don't want to seem like you're you know you're like a head coach killer for john elway and uh, you don't want to because you know, there's not a great market for head coaches as it is at the end of the season. I don't think um, there's no real names that like come to mind. Um, I think people are probably going to toss out like John Gruden and, and Bill Cowher for the 70th year in a row. I like Frank <laughs> Reich for whatever it's worth. Frank Reich, yeah, no, I love that game where he came back against the Oilers. So yeah, I actually I endorse that that decision uh, to interview Frank Reich. Um, so I don't know. I think you could get Ben McAdoo pretty cheap too. So. Oh, that's that's a little oh, foreshadowing for the Would You Rather game. So uh, we'll... you know, he 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 already he's already worked with Eli Manning, and people yep. are saying Eli Manning could be here. I know that would be a, a real smart choice at this point. That's that's, <laughs> that's uh, funny. That's funny you say that right now, Brandon, because uh, uh, we'll, we might touch on that later. Yeah, yeah. Hold hold that thought. <laughs> let's let's talk about John Elway, Brandon, because you know it's kind of risen. In uh, over the last couple of weeks in the fan base, you hear it in the comments, you hear it on Twitter, Facebook, from the fans calling for John Elway's head. In your mind, and we talked a little bit about this also, Will and I, before we brought you on, my, my thing with Elway is his two biggest mistakes was one, hiring Vance Joseph instead of Kyle Shanahan, and two, not biting the bullet and paying Wade Phillips. But right. in your mind, how much of the blame for this travesty of a season do you think should be placed on Elway's shoulders? Um, right now, I think quite a bit, um, you know, with, with the, the biggest problem is they don't have a quarterback. And so Elway's responsible for, for bringing in those guys. Right. And you never know with quarterbacks, it's really a guessing game unless you do have a high draft pick. Um, so I think that area is kind of gray. Uh, like I'm not going to blame him for not necessarily grabbing the right QB because I think that's tougher than people want to believe but for everything else I, I think it's it's fair to criticize him um I think the biggest thing in addition to what you said about you know Kyle Shanahan and Wade Phillips uh, is that I think John Elway is kind of gaining a reputation of not being a great person to work for so yep. Adam Gase is is one example of that Wade Phillips I don't think what left on on happy terms it, you know it's been said that Peyton Manning didn't leave on good terms and you've got a bunch of players who LA didn't even talk to when they were up you know for contracts uh, renegotiations TJ Ward you know letting him go the way they did and today I just saw Isaiah McKinney and this isn't on LA this is kind of on how dysfunctional the whole thing is that Isaiah McKenzie said he didn't even know he was being benched this week uh, in favor of Jordan Taylor when 
He said he found out from a teammate, and you know Vance Joseph announced it in his press conference today. So I don't know. I think communication yeah. seems like yeah. a big problem, and I think Elway yeah. doesn't have what he used to have, which was a great football team with a great quarterback, where guys would be willing to come play, you right. know, for the Broncos. Maybe you know if they didn't really like Elway because they knew they had a chance to win, and now he doesn't have that leverage. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does moving forward and if he can adapt and kind of, you know, change what he's done in the past to fit what he needs to do moving forward. Well, Elway is, I think his, his blessing and his curse is his like spirit of competitiveness. And obviously that's a great thing to have as a player. And and to some extent, it's a really great thing to have as a GM, but I think you can't bring in head coaches that are are just there to be, you know, your personal yes man. And I think that's kind of what, to some extent what Gary Kubiak was, although Gary Kubiak was a much better, I think, communicator and leader of men and just respected guy in the locker room than most head coaches. And I, I think Vance Joseph, to some extent, is that kind of guy too, but obviously it hasn't worked out in this in his first season. But I think John Elway at some point like has to accept that you know, you can't always just get a, a head coach that's going to be like-minded and is going to just, you know, report directly to you and, and do whatever you tell him. So at some point you have to bring in like a, a strong-willed head coach that has his own plan and you, you have to let him kind of figure things out for himself rather than, you know, giving direction, giving directions, you know, to your head coach and or to your team and using your head coach as the middleman. I don't think that's a successful way to run an NFL franchise these days. And maybe, Brandon, yeah. to that point, maybe the Broncos, if and when, I'm just going to say when they fire Vance Joseph, maybe he should, Elway, go back to the mold of <clears> – <throat> excuse me, like a John Fox or a Gary Kubiak, someone who is established, someone who does have at least some kind of a pedigree as a head coach rather than rolling the dice on on a young guy who could be perceived to be just another yes man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who who will even be available, but I, I think the one thing this team definitely needs is a strong leader in that locker room. And if it needs to be a coach, you know, that might be the way to go. But I mean, then you look at like Sean McVay and what he's doing in in Los Angeles. It's just yeah. it's also another guessing game. It's just crazy because there's no way I would have thought McVay was going to be a good head coach Agreed. before the season. Like, I didn't even really know who the heck he was. was like, <laughs> I, I think he's he, my age. I think he's like literally like 21 and in college. <laughs> he's like 30, 30. I think he's actually turned 31 this year. But yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, I think the other thing Elway's going to have to look at is their their scouting department because they're. Yeah. Their draft picks have, you know, haven't a lot of them have not panned out. So that's there's a lot of areas I think that need to get better. And it's been sort of the story all year, right? Whether it's early in the season when everybody's debating the quarterbacks or the special teams or whatever, it seems to be every area is coming up short. And that is that's a daunting task ahead for Elway to try to fix. Speaking of quarterbacks, real quick. In 2018, you're going to be two years removed from investing a first-round pick in a quarterback with the current three guys that are on the active roster, so not counting Chad Kelly. The current three guys, are any of those three faces still with the Broncos, say, come September, in your mind, Brandon? Uh, I say there's a 50% chance one of them is. You know, I think the Broncos are basically going to decide which guy they think would could be their best backup and possibly the best mentor for another young quarterback they they draft uh so i i don't know i mean you see i don't see them being able to to keep paxton lynch because he can't really provide either of those things reliably uh do you stick with brock or simeon at that point in a backup role i don't know but I, I would say one guy would will be around to basically serve as a backup. And whether that's Trevor or Brock, I have no idea. But I think Trevor's only edge there is his ability to, I think, I think coaches like him because I think mentally he's able to grasp what they want to do conceptually. But uh, we've seen him regress this entire season. So I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they're all gone either. So I guess I'm just oh, – that's a long-winded – Well, I wait. think I – don't, I, don't, I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> if, if anyone has a shot, I mean, you might think it would be Paxton Lynch considering the investment and that he still has two years left on his deal. But I think, honestly, if there's anyone kept around, it's going to be Simeon just because, as you say, 
He has the ability to, you know, step in, pick up a system relatively quickly, and he's got experience starting in the league, and he's not going to cost too much more, at least in his final year on his contract. Now, one more, and then I know we got a special segment real quick to, to cook up for you, Brandon, but if you stumbled upon a, let's call it like a magical lamp with the blue genie, and that genie allowed you to go back in time with this Broncos team and change any decision that they've made, whether it's front office type of decisions, coaching, personnel, stuff that's happening on game day, what would you do different? If you could change one thing about this Broncos, go back in time and flip the script. Oh, that's easy. I I draft I draft Russell Wilson instead of Brock Osweiler. And it's funny you ask that because I don't know, like two or three w- weeks ago, I started writing an episode about what if the Broncos drafted uh, Russell Wilson, and basically, like the the domino effect that that would have had on the NFL, which right. is pretty crazy. Because I think uh, if the Broncos draft Russell Wilson, one thing happens that I don't like, and that's I don't think Peyton Manning gets his second Super Bowl win. Uh, because when he gets hurt, or if he gets hurt and Russell Wilson comes in, I don't think there's any way Wilson gives up that that job, right? right and yeah. right now, if last night, if you're watching the the Seahawks Eagles game, the the biggest difference in that game was Russell Wilson for the Seahawks. I mean, they have three key defenders uh, on IR in Seattle. Uh, their offensive line has been bad. The Broncos have had bad offensive bad offensive line, but Russell Wilson's been able to play at a high level, even with all of that stuff happening around him. And I'm not even really like a Russell Wilson fan. Like I think he's kind of annoying, but I would <laughs> I would go Agreed. back and draft him because when I watch him play football, he is he's just really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that would the Broncos would be in a much better position right now if they had him. Uh, so that's what I, I, would... I honestly wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something about a coaching decision or something like that. And it's true to think about the butterfly effect that could have had not just on the Broncos, but also on the league. Exactly. And like the you know, you you can't say that the Broncos would beat the the um Baltimore Ravens, you know, that year in the playoffs, but if the Broncos get to Super Bowl 48, they're not playing the the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. So maybe Manning gets a win that year, yep. and then the Broncos get a second Super Bowl win with <laughs> Russell Wilson in 2015. The so possibilities are endless. Yeah, instead of the Seahawks, it's the 49ers. Um, let's say the Broncos lose that game, uh, God forbid. Colin Kaepernick it, is a Super Super Bowl championship. This whole kneeling thing never happens because you know he, he's right. he's taken yeah. to the life of a celebrity. He can't be tied down by by yeah. social justice and, and things of those nature. So yeah, you know the the whole American landscape as we know it is completely different if the Broncos take Russell Wilson over Brock Osweiler. And the most important thing to remember: if the Broncos drafted Russell Wilson, Tom Brady would have gotten hurt and never made it to win two more Super Bowls. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a real shame. As, and I'm not wishing an injury on him, but that's just what would have happened. Be a real shame. Well, we've, uh, we're have we running out of time with Brandon. We've uh, Just real quick, we'll kind of fire these off to you uh, okay. rapid fire here. We've, we've recently debuted a new segment on the show called Would You Rather? And it kind of gives us a chance to uh, go off the beaten path a little bit. And Will does a great job getting creative, cooking up some questions. He's got a couple ready for you specifically, Brandon. Here we go. Take it away, Will. All right, let's see how rapid fire I can do this because these questions are a little in-depth. But all right, let's get it going. Question one and option one for question number one on Would You Rather. So here's your first option, Brandon. I'm going to give you two. You're going to pick one. You know, you've played Would You Rather, I'm assuming. Yeah. So all right, option one. Recently, the fast food chain In-N-Out has announced it will set up shop in Colorado. Correspondingly, President Trump absorbs the office of Surgeon General into his own daily duties as president and has declared all fast food chains to be to be illegal except for In-N-Out. Thus, your only option for fast food from now on is In-N-Out. Okay. And option two, and I swear, I swear to God, I wrote this before you came on, so I had no idea. Go on. Option two, the Broncos sign Eli Manning in the offseason. The only caveat is that Ben McAdoo a.k.a. Ben McAdoo-doo, must come with him as head coach. Oh, man. Uh, 
This is a real Sophie's choice. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say give me Eli and Ben McAdoo. Um, I don't really want to see Trump absorb any more responsibility. <laughs> I I like In-N-Out, but I'm not crazy about it like everybody else is. So, you know, that being my only option wouldn't be completely fine with me. And I think from making videos and talking football from that standpoint, McAdoo and Eli in Denver would be a circus that would be as bad as it would be, would be fun to cover. Yeah. As, as the resident Californian on this podcast, um, I'm, I'm glad that you, you didn't say that you abjectly hate in and out because, um, I think we're all, everybody in, in California is pretty defensive of it as a fast food chain and i think, it gets I don't lost. think there's anything special about it dude i live within like two miles from an in and out and right, well. i mean it's like you know it's solid there's it's not bad by any stretch but mm. like when they first open and you can see cars like lined up half a mile down the block to get in there it's like I, that i don't understand well, well, Chad, I'm going to tell you what, that's a bad take, but that leads me to my second question. So <laughs> option one, the year is 2032. After signing an executive order to repeal the 22nd Amendment, Skip Bayless is running for his fourth term as president of the United States with running mate Stephen A. Smith. They win the election in a landslide, and their, for- their first order of business in their new term in the White House is that the United States judicial system is replaced with ESPN-style debate shows where lawyers present their takes to the grand jury and the hottest take wins the trial. (laughs) Furthermore, the Supreme Court justices are replaced by a roundtable consisting of Jason Whitlock, Woody Page, Colin Cowherd, and Max Kellerman. All right, so that's your first option. Option two, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson... Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Jake Browning, Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, and Andrew Luck are each involved in nine separate misfortunes, which end their football careers, meaning that the Broncos must go into the 2018 season with the four quarterbacks currently on the roster. Uh, give me the second one. <laughs> if I could go, if I could make it through a day without hearing a stupid hot take, I would be happy. And if, if that, if that were the world I, w- I was living in, I'd go crazy. And I have a tiny, <laughs> tiny bit of hope in swag. Kelly. Yeah. Give so us I, swag. I will roll with him. <laughs> All right. I was trying nope. to keep up on that one. Will. I'm like, okay. All right. Second, 22nd Amendment, Skip Bayless. I'm like taking notes over here, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously the, the 22nd Amendment was uh, the amendment that they passed um, to present, prevent presidents from running for more than right. two terms. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I like that. And then there's the layer where Skip Bayless has already won three terms and he's working on his fourth. So it's, it's really a dystopian America that I've painted for you guys. But <laughs> Indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you chose the second option. I think that's the correct answer because, you know. 28, you know, you know, like I said, you know, Paxton Lynch could turn the corner. You maybe Brock Osweiler figures out, you know, how to play quarterback. You know, Chad Kelly, we don't know what he ha- we have in him. We do know what we have in uh, ESPN-style debate shows, and they suck. So, Indeed. you know, correct answer. <laughs> so, well done. Question three. Here's your first option. North Korea has attacked the United States. Oh. However, instead of firing a nuclear missile, Kim Jong-un has ordered that North Korea drop paratroopers over Colorado, a la the 1984 film Red Dawn. (laughs) After just a week, the whole state has been occupied by North Korean forces. You join a local militia that is gearing up to take down the enemy. The only problem is that the the militia is led by General Vance Joseph, who will surely lead the group into either capture or or certain death. And your, your your second option... The Broncos keep Vance Joseph for 2018. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you're you're assuming I value uh, football more than my life with all these that's, questions. That's a good point. You'd be surprised with some people. Uh, just to change it up, I'll, I'll go with the North Korea, and um, I think you know if I'm in this militia. Getting rid of Vance Joseph is is an easy fix. Uh, you you just shoot him when he's sleeping, and <laughs> you know, 
I would rise to power so, myself to lead us he, to victory, which the rest of America would be thankful for electing yep. me as president eventually, where I would have the ultimate power and uh, I would make rules to affect the NFL in a positive way for the Broncos, uh, thus ensuing a, a, a just waterfall of Super Bowl victories for Dick the Bronco during my reign as Dick the President. <laughs> Dick the President. Absolutely. I like it. I like yeah, it. That, I, that is uh, the real butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah, I also like, I don't know, like, I, I, I have a feeling that, like, this might come true just because I feel like you know, Kim Jong Un is probably like given like a videotape of the of the movie of uh, the movie Red Dawn, and like watches it like thinking it's a documentary, and it's like <laughs> wow, that's actually that's actually genius. They'll never expect uh, they'll never expect to be attacked in rural Colorado. You know, most people most most people assume that they're going to attack like one of the coasts or like Washington D.C. or New York, but no, we're dropping our our troops over. A rural Colorado high school, and he's like, you know, that's my plan. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I live right by an Air Force base too, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> well, fair. hey, that that was uh, that was. Would you rather? It was done with a plum. Good job, Will Brandon. Even better job answering the questions. You can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Perna. If you're not subscribing to That's Good Broncos and That's Good Sports on YouTube, you got to remedy that quick. Also find That's Good Broncos on Facebook. And make sure you're following him because, let's face it, he's the most unique content creator in the Broncos realm. Brandon, thanks for joining us, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. See ya. Always a good time catching up with Brandon Perna. We love his insight. Funniest dude in Broncos country. Make sure you guys are following him. You know all that. He, uh, he needs no introduction from me, but uh, we're about out of time. Before we get out of here, we'd be remiss if we did not remind you uh, about Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You get over 180,000 different titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books we want to read, but Audible allows us to get those books under our belt while also doing other things like driving or working in the yard or working out at the gym. So take some time, go to audibletrial.com, huddle up, do the free trial, get your free book. If you don't like it, you can cancel, but I can promise you, you will dig it. And it's also a great way to support the show. But that's all the time we have for today. You can find Will in the Twitterverse at WillKey6, myself at Chad and Jensen. Tweet us your questions. We'll always try to address your concerns on the show. We ran out of time today for the mailbag, so we'll try and make up for that next week. But look for Nick and Carl's preview of the Jets game here on Wednesday probably. Um, and then also they're they're working on the, the draft, uh, scouting the draft. Different guests. Eric Trickle contributes quite a bit. They recently had, of course, Sayer Bedinger on from Predominantly Orange and NFL Mock. So they're cooking up some good stuff. Because we do have to be focusing on the future. we got to be focusing on the draft. So make sure you're subscribing, y'all. For Will, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle.